I believe with all of my heart that we, the American church, find ourselves in the predicament we find ourselves in today because we do not teach history. family, what's going on friends? My name is John Rushemeza. Welcome, welcome to Kingdom Exploits podcast. You may or you may not know this, but I have been doing a series on education. I am making the case that parents, Christian parents specifically, um, need to remove their children from public school. I have making the case that one, that is easier said than done. But two, there are people that just can't do it because they don't have the means, uh, they don't have the capacity, and so they kind of have to send their children to public school, government school. They, they are government schools. That's, that's the best way to um, describe them. Now, I have also been trying to make the case, and this is kind of where my heart is, that the church community Okay. The church community, this means leadership and the people have to come together to, to bring about a solution. I believe in every church across America, this conversation needs to be had in depth. You know, when I say every church, I'm not talking about these progressive churches because they're not churches to me. I'm talking about the remnant of God. Those people who are orthodox and who believe... Uh, you know, who's to hold to orthodox theology. These are the people that I'm talking talking to. And, and I'm not trying to question someone's salvation per se because I'm sure there are genuine Christians that go to these progressive churches. However, the problem is the progressive churches tend to push leftist politics, which would mean that those churches tend to push for public schools, public education, and the, and the endless funding of these institutions so the message I would go with to those churches is different okay even though it's not to say that they couldn't receive from my messages I, I hope you know people see this but the, the people that I'm appealing to in this season the, the people that the people who are saying the things I'm saying are trying to appeal to primarily are people who are orthodox in their beliefs and who you know can see that there's something is wrong. And also, to clarify something else, I believe that there are people who go to progressive churches who are orthodox. And, and I also believe that there are people who are orthodox who vote Democrat, who are left-leaning politically. And again, the message to those people, I believe, is different. Uh, but there are people like me, and there are people, a lot of people I know, okay, who... Uh, conservative in their in their politics, uh, conservative in their just in their lifestyle, and who's to insist on sending their children to public school? Okay, the reason these people, most of these people, do this is because they don't really know, they don't really understand um, the differences between secular education and public education. The reason they don't know is because nobody has taken time to explain this. 
the reason most people don't know is because they don't know the history. So I have been trying to point out, to touch on things throughout this series, to show the history, to show the architects of, of the, the public education as we have it, and to make the case that, hey, look, there are good people in these institutions, but these institutions are rotten at the core because of ABCD. So today, I want to kind of react to or go over a, a presentation that I saw at a school. There's a school in my area. The school is called a Desperate Christian Academy. And at this school, on their website, they have been doing a series called, uh, it's a lecture series called Remember America. Now, ju just so you know, uh, Dead Springs Academy is a, is a Christian school. Okay, it's a Christian K through 12 school here in, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And they use what is called a principal approach. Okay, they say that the principal approach to education focuses on a consistent and ordered teaching and learning. The goal is to build a student's Christian character and sense of self-government, Christian scholarship, and biblical reasoning for lifelong learning and discipleship. The principal approach has its philosophical origins in the Bible, has a distinctive methodology revealed through the biblical pedagogy of teaching and learning, unfolds the character and nature of God as revealed in scripture and demonstrated in the creator, discovered the purpose of God for man and government, is applicable to all times and culture. Okay, they go on to kind of elaborate on the principled approach. But as you can see, this is a Christian organization. My question to you is, is this, before I start this reaction. What do you learn from just the definition of the principal approach to education? Because this is where I think a distinction is made and people make decisions based on other things rather than what's most important when you're sending your kids to be educated. This is where we begin to see that education and discipleship are not two separate things that can be done separate by two separate worldviews. Okay? The principal approach to education focuses on consistent and ordered teaching and learning. The goal is to build a student's Christian character and a sense of self-government, Christian scholarship, and Bible reasoning for lifelong learning and discipleship. The progressive approach, if you will, or the pragmatic approach is something opposite to that. It's, it, I mean, first of all, progressives and secular humanists don't believe in God. And if the ones who do, they believe, okay, God did what he did and walked away, left us humans in charge and with no accountability. We are, uh, uh, if, if there's any accountability, we're accountable to ourselves. We make sense of the world, we rule it, we do whatever we want. We, in other words, we construct. See, that, that's where some of the, the language with uh, social construction come from. We construct everything. We come up with the rules, we come up with whether there's such a thing as a male and a female, or whether there's a hundred different gender. We decide. But people don't know this. People are not taught this. I, I was never taught this. I was taught that you can go to school, learn how to count. You don't have to mention God one time. And if it's a, if it's a nice school or if it's in a school back in the day, you have time where you, you pray, 
at the end, you have time where you, you maybe you read a Bible or you have a Bible class that is separate. But when you go to math, when you go to biology, you don't ever need to mention God. Because the subject itself is neutral. But that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. No subject is neutral. Therefore, education cannot be neutral. It can't be. The idea that discipleship, where you, you disciple your children in the ways of God and in the Christian character, is here in education, how to count, how to write, you know, how to do experiments and things like that, is here. Assumes that in education, in mathematics, mathematics can be neutral. You don't have to understand it from a biblical perspective. You know, they'll say, well, there was no such thing as math in, in the Bible, or there was no such thing as science and biology in the Bible. Well, the Bible has principles that, that we live by in every area of life. That's the point. Okay. So I am going to react then to this um, series. It is called, again, the Rise of Progressivism, it, this was session five. If you want to find this series, and I highly recommend this series, please go to the website, Lancaster uh, Dayspring Academy, uh, and you will find the series there. The series is titled, is called Remember America. They're going through history of different things, kind of how we got here, why we're in the predicament we're in today as, as a church and as a society in general, because America used to be a decent place to be, and it still is, I will argue, today. But it's going down a very uh, disturbing path. Has been for the last hundred years. But now we're beginning to see the fruit of the church abandoning the public square. The, the church being run off out of the public square. And, and yes, we did. We were run, run off. But we went. We have been willingly uh, uh, staying out of the public square and so now we're realizing, oops, we have to do something. I believe, again, before I start this, I believe we, if we want to be effective here in America, and, and remember, uh, if we're effective in America, that is generally good for the church around the world. If we are thriving, and I'm not talking about with money. Yes, we have money. But the solution is not money. Clearly, you can have all the money in the world and morally bankrupt, which is what America is today. So the American church needs to reclaim what's most important, and I believe it's the education of its young. So Remember America is a series. They go on to give a definition again of the principled approach, American, uh, America's historic Christian method of biblical reasoning, which makes the truths of God's word the basis of every subject in school curriculum, in the school curriculum. Um, they go on to give a definition of education, and I really appreciated this definition. I um, touched on this in, in the previous, in one of the previous episodes, where I was trying to explain that depending on your worldview, you approach education differently. It's just inevitable. Okay? 
education as defined by Webster, this is Noah Webster, comprehends all that series of instruction which is intended to enlighten the understanding, correct the temper, form the manner and basis of youth, and fit them for usefulness in their future station, stations. Okay, so again, just to stop here for a quick second, that definition is neutral, I would say. It's neutral. A, a secular person can see that definition and say, oh, yeah, great. That's exactly what we want to do. And a Christian person can say, okay, great. That's what we want to do. But how we approach this and how we drive children into their process of K through 12 will be very different from a secular humanist or from an atheist, even an, an agnostic, than it would be from an orthodox Christian. So... The guy went on then to talk about education in colonial America. And again, I appreciated this particular episode that they did because some of the things I didn't know or some of the things I wasn't too sure about is kind of how education was before the mid to late 1800s, right? And so this guy that was doing this series went on to say that, um, you know, give an example of a Connecticut legislature which had said that if a child cannot read, and this is how they were coming about to make education mandatory. It was actually for, for good reasons in some areas, right? Uh, or at least that's how they presented it. They wanted every child to know how to read because if a child could not read, then he could not read the word of God. So you see how this is pointing back to God. The whole thing should point you back to God. The problem with secular education today, uh, which was taken over at some point by the progressives, is that they're not, they're not, they, don't, they don't believe in God. But they believe in something, and that's humanism. So they're pointing things back to me, to us. So in other words, education, if nothing else, is so that humans can understand themselves better, but apart from God which is off. It leads to meaninglessness. Uh, Connecticut passed a law requiring parents to teach their children to read so that they could read the Bible. If parents weren't compliant, they could be fined. They sent inspectors to homes to ensure compliance. So this was still kind of the, the parent were the, the, the primary educator, but they were made to teach their children how to read. In 1947, the very first education law written in America was passed. It being one chief project of that old deluder Sutton to keep men from the knowledge of scripture and to end that learning may not be buried in the grave of our forefathers. So the laws in early America were pushing for education, that, that everyone should be educated in order to know their scriptures in order to know their God so that they don't get deluded by the enemy. And, and, and the reason why I have decided to go through this and kind of take some of these nuggets out and share them with whoever's going to be listening to this is because when you understand where education was before, 200 years ago, 
then you begin to understand why the devil could not allow that to be. The devil had to go and take it over. Because remember, education is a powerful tool that can be used to change the world, according to Nelson Mandela. So there was something in, 19, in 1787 called the North, Northwest Ordinance. And Northwest Ordinance education law was drafted by the same people who drafted the first amendment. Didn't know that. Religion, one of the quotes from, from uh, there was that religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to the education of mankind, schools, and education shall forever be encouraged. This was uh, out of the Northwest Ordinance. And the guy went on to make the case that uh, the reason they say religion before morality was because religion informs morality. And that obviously is true. And th the point there is that, again, in the public education, in the secular public square in general, people here in America have been lied to and said that when you remove Christianity, Islam, and all these major world religion, then this, the public square has no religion left. That it's neutral, religion-less, religious neutral, which is a lie. There's always some religion informing our morality. Secularism is a religion. Secular humanism is a religion. In fact, humanists themselves believe that. So that's why religion before morality. Um, and then the guy went on to point out uh, another quote from Washington's farewell address, which said, of all the habits and disposition which lead to political prosperity, religion, and morality are indispensable supports. Let it be cautiously maintained that morality can be maintained without religion. Reason and experience both prohibits us to expect that national morality will prevail in exclusion of moral principle. Again, these are the forefathers. This is back in the day, a number of hundreds of years ago, in the early uh, uh, building of this country. Okay, People at that point understood things that we have been convinced and lied to today. And, and you know, I, I'm saying this because the church... The Christian church compromised big time when we decided that we can entrust the secularists with education. That was a trick from the enemy. I want people to understand this. If, if you don't watch anything else in this effort that I'm trying to make, please understand. We have been duped. We got to do something about it. In 1860, 262 of the 288 college presidents were ministers of the gospel. How many of that is today? Probably one, if that, of, of secular, that are secular entities now. <clears throat> um, over one-third of the faculty were ministers of the gospel. By 1884, 370 universities in America, 83% of them were tied to some denomination. What is this to say? Okay, when I heard this, a thought came to my mind. If you want education reform, See, most people that want education reform, Christians. I'm, I'm talking to Christians here, primarily. This message can go to anybody and different people receive it differently. But I'm talking to Christians. If you're a Christian out there and say, okay, we need education reform. We don't need to abandon education, but we need to reform it. Guess what you're saying? You're saying that we need to take over 
the education institution, the mountain of education. That's what reform would have to mean. Why do reform where we're giving more money to pay secularists to continue doing what they've been doing for, hundreds, for at least 100 years? True reform means we go and take over. And you know and I know they're never going to let us. America is too secularized. Okay? The, the education, Department of Education is too powerful. Entities like the National um, Education Association are too powerful that you can't just push them out. I mean, God can, and he will. But as we wait for that day to come, we don't just keep sending our children to them. That makes no sense. The alternative here is for us to build our own institutions. As I said in a previous episode, the people back in the day that sided with the secularists to send children to public school, they had good reasons then. They said, look, we see the, the implications, we see the potential problems here, but the, the risks are worth it. Again, I don't think the risks were worth it, but they thought so for whatever reason. But at this point, now we know the risks were not worth it, and we cannot continue to take the same risk. Harvard, one of the elite schools here today, to this day, Harvard, its purpose statement was, it's changed already, they've changed it, but it, its purpose statement was, let every student be plainly instructed and consider the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus, which is eternal life. And therefore, to lay Christ at the bottom of the only foundation of sound knowledge and learning. It was a Christian school. Harvard, the leftist epicenter today, the secularist heaven, Mecca, today, was a Christian school. Did you know this? They trained your pastors, your missionaries, your ministers, your le the leadership in your community. And this is what they trained them for. That every student be plainly instructed and consider the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ at the bottom as the only foundation of sound knowledge and learning. Everyone shall so exercise himself as to read the scripture twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein at Harvard. Harvard's two models. For Christ and the church. And for the glory of Christ. Let me emphasize this again one more time. This is what education is supposed to be for. For Christ and the church. Education, when you raise up your kids and you want to educate them, you're not educating them for them to go and serve the government for the sake of the government. For humanistic purposes. You're raising your kids for Christ and the church. My argument is a secular humanist cannot help you to do that. They might unintentionally, but whenever they can, because they have their own end. This is a Christian's end. This is supposed to be all humans' end. The ones who don't do this will answer. Okay? But for the Christians, those who name Christ as their Lord, this should be the end of everything we do, and our children need to understand that I just, my thing is, uh, it's confusing to send them there to be educated by the people who, some of them hate God. Okay, college, num prominent college, Ivy League college, number two. 
Remember, these are institutions that are still in existence today producing uh, cultural influences to this day. They were originally Christian. The next one on, on the list here of this, this talk was Yale. Their uh, uh, purpose was, above all, have an eye to the great end of all your studies, which is to obtain the clearest conception of divine things to lead you to a saving knowledge of God in his son, Jesus Christ. All the scholars were required to live a religious and blameless life according to God's word, diligently reading the Holy Scriptures and constantly attending all the studies of religion. Now, as we already established, these were Christian institutions to raise up Christian leaders. And they weren't just raising up uh, Christian leaders to go inside the church, outside of the community. These were also community leaders. These were the people who, for example, some of who came up or were part of the, the signing of the, the, uh, our, uh, our constitution, our independence, declaration of independence. There were some of the people were actually up, up really high in the in, in the political uh, pyramid or whatever, and but they were Christians. They were educated by this institution. Maybe some of them may not have been devout Christians, okay? So because someone one might go back and look at someone's history, one of these people, and say, well, what kind of Christian does this? Some of them are probably owned slaves, for example. But I'm not talking to the, their own heart, per se. What I'm talking about is the institutions that educated them, that equipped them, were Christian institutions. They had the Bible as their source of authority, ultimate authority. And Yale was started by Congregationalists. Uh, and some of the, the, the signers there of the Declaration were uh, Lyndon Hall, Phillips Livingston, Lewis Morris, Oliver Walcott, signers of the Constitution such as Abraham Baldwin, Jared Ingersoll, William Livingston, other notables, Noah Webster, Zephaniah Swift, first legal text, James Kent, father of American jurisprudence. So these are the people who laid down things as we have them, okay? And they were Christians. Princeton was another one. Every student shall attend worship in the college hall morning and evening and shall attend public worship on the Sabbath. There shall be assigned for each class certain exercises of the religious instructions, and no student shall neglect them. All these schools were Christians. These schools, specifically the three that were mentioned here, are currently today probably the most leftist and anti-God institutions that exist in America. Why? Because the devil knew that if I allow these institutions to stand in opposition of what I'm doing, or what I'm trying to do, then I'll be fighting a losing battle. So I have to take over these institutions because the people that are come out of here, that go out there to educate the rest of society, I want them to come out of here representing me and not God. This is what the devil did. This is what's happening today. This is why your average teacher has to teach things that is antithetical to the Christian worldview. Because they're being educated in institutions that does that intentionally. So, uh, the lecturer went on to, to talk about a number of um, things and then proceeded to talking about the progressive era, okay, the Gilded Age, which leads to the progressive era. 
and he talked about how these institutions were taken over. Okay, the, the, a lot of these institutions kind of allowed in some elements of, of uh, universalism, which believes that all religions are, are equal and lead to universal restoration between man and the divine. And then Unitarianism, uh, universalism, and then and Unitarianism, which says that God is one person, therefore Jesus was not fully God. And the other element, too, was Darwinian theory of evolution, because that's when, uh, uh, in the 1800s, is when uh, Charles Darwin published the origin of series. Th those two things, uh, especially, shook the uh, educational establishment of the time, uh, because these elements then were brought in, and the Christians, the Christian thinkers, and 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 you know, defenders of the faith, were not properly equipped to respond to these things. The U.S. Urban Society. I mean, the U.S. Uh, became an urban nation. By the 1900s, 40% of Americans lived in cities. It looked like it would continue to grow. This included ex-slaves who were moving to the cities to escape the poverty and reconstruction of the South. The U.S. then became a country of immigrants between 1860 and 1890. Nearly 10 million from Western Europe uh, came. 40 mi in uh, 18... 91, 1920, over 40 million from southeastern and southern Europe came over. And all these people came and, and stayed in cities and they were kind of mixing up, mixing it up. Uh, this is what uh, the whole idea of a melting pot comes out of because they were all coming to enjoy the promise of America. And um, the image there, if you can see it, is the Lady Liberty just kind of cooking up the melting pot. Again, they were escaping poverty, discrimination, genocide, etc. That's kind of how I came to, we, my family, came to America. Okay, so the lecturer went on to talk about different things like politics, like, uh, you know, how the country kind of changes over time with the different people coming in. And so, and, and the schools allowed the, uh, some of these philosophies like Darwinian theory and Unitarianism to creep in and these institutions began to get crippled from the inside out. They were infiltrated by these philosophies. Okay, They kind of did not heed what the Bible says in Colossians 2. Uh, because the Bible says in Colossians 2.8, uh, the Bible calls us to be careful that no one takes us captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. So the schools did not heed to that, um, that warning from the Apostle Paul to the Colossians. They allowed these philosophies to creep in. They didn't know how to deal with them. Um, the lecturer in this series went on to point out that um, you know, prior to the Civil War, most colleges had clergymen as presidents. Uh, effects on courses such as moral science and politics ETC. He said that prior to the Civil War, most colleges had clergymen as presidents, which obviously impacts how they teach certain subjects or the kind of subjects they teach to begin with, such as you know moral science, politics, and economy. Um, but at some point, the growth of professionalism changed this. 
the guy also said that science was previously dominated by Christians, but that changed too. Because people began to accept beliefs that the Bible was inadequate for science. Remember, Darwin came in, gave a, a, a theory that removed the Bible, that pushed away what people had believed, most people had believed for thousands of years, that God created and that the Bible, the biblical account, at least in the West, the biblical account was what accounted for the origins of humans and everything else. The Darwin, Darwinian theory gave an, a, a theory that says, well, actually, we don't have to believe that anymore. Most people took it. Again, because the Christians, the true Christians among them, were not ready to, to you know, refute that. Colleges became universities and were no longer influenced by the Bible. And within a generation, most Americans wouldn't use the Bible as a credible source for their sciences. In other words, colleges became universities where each discipline was its own profession and its standards were no longer influenced by the Bible. This is where we are today. This is why people decided in, in the church today, as I keep saying, this I keep saying a lot, is that the, the church has gone along with the idea that discipleship, which is starts in the home and in the church house, is something totally separate from education. You know, if you're going to learn to be a computer scientist, that has nothing to do with God. That's something that you can go and learn, you know, being taught by secularists, and that's fine uh, because, you know, we got you at the church. And sometimes that works. Don't get me wrong. That works. That works for me. Uh, right? But it's wrong. I think I think it's wrong because it, it's, it's a risk that you're taking that I, I don't think we should be taking. I, I think we deviate from the calling of God on our lives when we take these risks. So this is history. This is what happened. Okay? At some point... Uh, Darwinianism and high criticism were challenging the authority of the Bible, as I said already. The new historical sociology and Freudian psychological ways of thinking were revolutionizing thought at almost all levels. Rapid secularization of colleges and churches and society was inevitable after that. People who had been raised up to accept unquestionably the com complete authority of the Bible and truth of evangelical teaching were now intellectually incapable of defending truth. Again, this is a series, I am just kind of going over it to react to it, putting my own two cents. But if you want to hear this series, this entire series, and this particular session, this is session five, Remember America, uh, blew my mind. I mean, I'm not doing it any justice. I'm just, I th I, this I thought fit well with my series that I'm currently doing. So I wanted to kind of just go over it. Uh, but... Uh, you know, so because the people couldn't defend the truth, when faced with uh, liberalism of the universities, they are faced with a choice. Hang on to evangelicalism and lose all credibility or go for respectability and abandon beliefs. Most people did the latter. The third option was to modify Christianity. This is where you have liberal Christianity, the liberal or progressive, progressive Christianity. It's because those people, there are people at some point, especially at Princeton and these other universities, who said, well, we actually like being Christian. We like being called Christian because, you know, the Christianity has good principles. Jesus had, was a good teacher. So we'll remove all 
the things we don't like or we will change it and reinterpret it to fit in with the challenges. And, and uh, let, me, let me also say this. Another thing that people need to understand is that we're not only at war now. This war didn't start now or even 30 years ago. This war started a long time ago. This has been a culture war. And the culture war has always been, and it still is today, should be, whoever takes over education of the young will shape the future of a community. That's, that's, that's what I'm arguing for. If we want to have influence on the community again, as we, we did before, we have to at least educate our own children the right way. Because those are the people who will carry the light into the future. Those are the people who will be able to stand against the secularists, the secular philosophies. If we really want to equip our young to be able to stand, we have to take over education. That's my argument. So what happened then, obviously, after a while, after Christians were kind of bullied out of the public square, someone else had to come in and fill the vacuum. Okay? This is the things that I want people to understand. We are not where we are today by mistake or by coincidence. This has been an intentional, intentional effort by a certain group of people. And we are reaping the results of that. We're not able to define women today, what a woman is today, not by coincidence. This was the goal. Because that's what progressivism does. The guy doing the series made the point that what happened eventually was that the Christian education, the Christian paideia, was replaced with a progressive one. And he made the case, the point, which I've been trying to make so far in this video, that many, many people, which I have heard this, believe that the decades prior to the 60s were kind of a, a, a time of unity, a time of, you know, everybody, most people were Christians. And this is, again, because the Bibles were still in the school, the, the, um, the prayer was still in the school and things like that. Uh, and that after the 60s with all the kind of uprises, then, uh, the, uh, you know, the system began to go a different direction. He made the argument that they actually, actually the changes began in the 1800s, the late 1800s. Okay, the whole idea of replacing uh, Christian values with patriotism and value for democracy began way long time ago, because again the goal was to secularize society, so it sounded better to say someone is a patriot and remove the Christ Christian aspect of that off the table. So, the changes began in the 1800s, and this, is, this was brought in by men like John Dewey, who I have talked about in uh, previous episodes. And John Dewey changed education, K-12 uh, specifically, at the core. Okay? Uh, according to this lecture series, John Dewey advocated for vocational training rather than a focus on the liberal arts. It's our present education which is highly specialized one-sided, and narrow. Most students do not need liberal education. That can be left to the elites. This is, these are the things that John Dewey was saying, and John Dewey and friends. 
John Dewey and them believed that when children are born, they are blank canvas that we need to write on it. This is, again, uh, things that the psychologists came in with. And again, this was late 1800s. This, these ideas are being cooked up then. And one of the things that they believed too was that the community has ends to achieve. This is kind of what we're doing today. And the education of the child is the key to those ends. If you ever wonder why they're trying to teach your children that, you know, there's no such thing as two genders, that you can have a hundred different genders, is because of that kind of thinking. We want to change society. The way to change society is to educate the children a certain way. Education then became a job training. That's all education is. Again, if you think how we look at education today, even in the church, this is why we have separated discipleship from education. These are two different tiers. Okay? You go to school to learn so you can find a job, a better job, a good paying job, security. There's no, you know, thinking as to, okay, well, isn't there more to it than that? Well, yeah, there is, but that's why you go to church, which I think is a mistake. I, again, I, I have to keep saying this. I believe it is a mistake to think this way. But we have been made to think this way. We have been taught and brought up. And society around us was built up to cause us to think this way. That's why the emphasis on liberal arts is no longer. That's why you have people burning books, toppling down uh, uh, statues. is because history means nothing to them. Uh, uh, you know, literature means nothing to them. This is why. Progressives like Woodrow Wilson believe that most people just need vocational training. They have no need for classical education. Children should be taught to operate according to certain assumptions. Wrote memorization of facts, figures, dates, and events. This is to, to train you to do a factory job or something, rather than teaching them to examine those assumptions. So they are now teaching you what to think. This, this concept of teaching people what to think rather than how to think. Remember, when you teach people, when you open people up with classical education, which has all kinds of different aspects of education that are all important keys, it helps you think. It teaches you how to think. Education is supposed to teach us how to think, not just what to think. Progressive, progressives have been fighting to have total control of every child to be able to educate every child. So they will try, I guess, to, to take away the money that is uh, set aside for you know, Christian schools. Uh, they still do that today. The NAE is a big uh, uh, proponent of anti-homeschooling. And the reason why is because they believe parents are not equipped to educate their own children. They believe there's no accountability. They don't know what the parents are teaching their children. They want to know. They need to know. They need to control what the kids are learning. Because they have a goal. But apparently the Blair Amendment was um, an attempted bill that was narrowly defeated by the U.S. Senate in 1875. But, you know, some states passed it. They tried to close pri private schools, uh, but the Supreme Court case, Pierce versus Society of Sisters, kept that from happening. As we already pointed out, some Christians, to avoid these conflicts, just joined the other side. So 
apparently, by the 1920s, by the 1920s to 30s, government-based accreditation formed, were formed to validate school diplomas and control high school to college transitions. Teachers certified by states through educational colleges that were designed by progressive disciples of Dewey. Graduation requirements and diplomas were authorized by states. Textbook authors made up the class of professionally trained teachers. So in other words, they took over education, they ensured that in order to advance, you have to go through them. Even today, even homeschoolers have to be approved somehow by the state. The state has to co-sign on it. So they still control education. But this was by design, as I said already. This is the history of how education was, of how we got bamboozled as Christians, as a community. It was a sleight of hand, okay? And, and if you go back into the, through the series, you'll see that this happened at different junctures, but the chief architects of all these were people like John Dewey, okay? Because John Dewey was a secular humanist. John Dewey was, according to an article in Answers in Genesis, John Dewey was a teacher at a prestigious university at a critical time in American history. During his lifetime, multiple streams of unbeliefs converged to bombard culture. These ideas include liberal theology, as we already pointed out, that undermine the reality of the Bible, the reliability of the Bible, uniformitarian genealogy that assumed billions of years of the earth history, Darwinian evolution that taught that naturalistic origin and development of biblical life forms and Marxism, which attempted to upend social order. For nearly 200 years, American culture has endured an onslaught of secular ideology from multiple directions. These ideas gradually and ultimately undermined the Christian foundations of the United States. And John Dewey was there cheering on this secular march through his work. In the same article, they quote a person named Brice, who said, the complex sets of new ideas thought notions, philosophies, and ways of thinking moved into what was then the world's greatest instrument for the dissemination of ideas, the public school system. How did that happen? As always, there, there were multiple causes. However, one particular individual, an educator, was more than anyone else responsible for the transformation of method and content of education in America. His name was John Dewey. Dewey was responsible for transferring the radical secular ideas of his day into the classroom through his influential academic post. What public schools became in large part is a result of Dewey's foresight because he was so influential in shaping American public education. It is important to see what he believes and that's embedded into public schools. They're going to go down uh, to point out some of the things that John Dewey believed and some of the things that were promoted into the public school system as a result of John Dewey. Remember, John Dewey was the father. He's known as the father of progressive education, public school education as we know it. John Dewey was a pragmatist, as we already said. Um, according to the article, Dewey's lack of confidence in the knowledge 
in, in confidence and knowledge likely stem from his lack of belief in God. Dewey one was one of the 34 signatories of the Human Humanist Manifesto one that among others other atheist tenants states first religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Okay, this is the father of your child's public school system. This is what he believes. Humanism believes that man is a part of nature and that he has emerged as a result of continuous process, Darwinian theory, pretty much, progressivism. Holding an organic view of life, humanists find that the traditional dualism of mind and body must be rejected. That's crazy. From his influential post at Columbia University and his prolific output compiled in 37 vo volumes, The Collected Works of John Dewey, 1882-1953, Dewey guided public education away from biblically-based past and towards a more secular future, which is where we are today. Again, uh, uh, Mark Koskak wrote, Dewey's movement had new vision, had a new vision for schools. He wanted to use schools as instrument for reconstruction of society, and he has succeeded. Dewey didn't want to educate children to think for themselves. No, 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 no. Children who know how to think, this is, I guess, quoting Dewey, children who know how to think for themselves spoil the harmony of the collective society, which is coming which is coming where everyone is interdependent. Communism. Children thinking for themselves are, you know, are not good for communism or socialism. His vision veered dramatically from the traditional Christ-centered approach to education. They go on to say, Dewey's attempt to remake American society through public education is not just something Christian or pan. Dale Magado, an atheist and Mike McGowan is, how, is the name. And, an atheist and author of Atheism for Dummies wrote, in the, course for, uh, in the course of a long career, Dewey practically reinvented the American system of education from bottom up. In his lifetime, Dewey was largely responsible for turning public schools from largely Protestant Christian academies to secular indoctrination centers. Though he died in 1952, the effect of his advocacy for secular doctrines are with us to this day. America is secular today because of public education. I don't understand why we would still want to send children there. I just don't understand. I, I, I mean, someone might need to help me see what I'm missing here. The society as it is today is secularized as a result. And, and, and they were right. They were right because God invented education, obviously. One of the ways we were going to fulfill our cultural mandate, which is to subdue the earth, was through education, through research, through discovery, through invention. Somehow Christians were meant to believe that we couldn't do that without outsourcing. Somehow Christians were meant to believe, well, no, 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 no. You have to submit to the secularists. And this is not to say for the common good we cannot partner with secularists. But we don't partner with them as a second-class thinker. 
But of course you have to if they educated you in other aspects of life. Which is why I believe we need to go back to um, education. We need to go back to being in charge of education. The world has to come to us for education. Not the other way around. The, 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 the secular, our secular neighbor have to come and sign up their children to, for us to educate them. Why? Because our education would be superior. Our education would be well-rounded. We would teach children how to think and not what to think. We'll evangelize to these children their whole life, or at least from K through 12. Every day they're being evangelized to for the kingdom of God. Because believe it or not, when your kids go to that public school, okay, they're being evangelized to every day. Someone is evangelizing to them. Someone is constantly evangelizing to us. Either a Christian is or a secularist. Someone is. Someone is pulling us. Hey, come here. This is the right way of doing things. So my thing is sending children to be educated by the secular humanists while evangelizing them at the church, to me sounds like it's undermining the process. And what is the process? To teach the children in the way they should go. They're teaching them in the way they should go. You're teaching them in the way they should go. The only problem is it's not towards the same end. It's the opposite. One good example about this, and, and in my next episode, I'm, I'm going to come up with the now what part of this. Now what, what, what can we do? What should we do? Because, and this is, I hope to talk about this for the rest of my life. What should we do about it? Because I want to do something about this. I want to see something done, at least in my community. But for now, just thinking about the people who are in the government today, who are telling us that we have to affirm children who are telling us that if your child comes to you and is saying things that is not in line with reality, you have to go along with it. That's a result of public education, secular education, whether you want to believe it or not. People who are convincing us that we have to keep the border open because if not, then we just have to and let people come in and come in and come in and we don't know who's coming in, just let them in. If you don't, you're evil. You don't want to be evil and racist. These are ideas that sound good on the surface, and people who have not been trained to think, drink them in. Remember, if people don't know how to think, you can better control them. The national media right now is a propaganda machine. Okay, 90% of the media, the corporate media, are singing the same song. Why? Because... They want to tell you what to think. So they have trained you, K through 12, not to think. Now they're going to think for you because ultimately they want to control you. We cannot want this for our children as Christians. As Christians, if we're going to fulfill what Romans 12 says, and Romans 12 says that in view of God's mercy, present yourself, your body, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true worship, do not conform to this age. In, in order for us to not conform to this age, we have to do the direct opposite of what the world is, is doing. And one way of doing that is to educate our young. I'm not going to say this in closing. 
it's going to be hard. It's going to take sacrifice. And I believe in the beginning of, of trying to redeem or regain control of education, there's going to be a high price to pay, which is okay because God paid the ultimate price for us. There should be no price too high to pay for the advancement of his kingdom. And I believe the high price we have to pay here in America, other Christians around the world are paying high prices in other ways. The high price we have to pay here in America is regaining control of the education of our children. It's going to be hard because we have to come together, and in many cases we have to let aside the secondary theological issues and unite around this one important issue. If we call each other brothers in the faith because we're, we're, we're orthodoxy in the first things, then we have to come together. That, that's going to be hard. There's a lot of flesh that has to die. Because yes, I'm a charismatic, you may not be, and you believe that that's a big problem for you. That's, it is not. If we're brothers in Christ, we have bigger fish to fry. We have to put us, our pride to the side but we have to do something about this. I don't care if charismatics do their own thing in the charismatic circles, reform do their own thing in the... I don't care. All I know is we cannot continue to send children to the secularists to be educated. We should not. And I hope many people stand up and shout this from the rooftops. Asking for the books to be removed is, is great. It's great, it's admirable, but that's not going to resolve the main problem. That's not the main... That's just a fruit. We have to remove the children. You want to fight? You want to fight these people? For real? And, and again, to remember that our fight is not, in the, is not according to the flesh. Okay? But, make no mistake, removing your children is part of the fight. Sending your children to be educated by these people is totally irresponsible, in my estimation. And I am going to continue to talk about this. I am going to continue to shout from the rooftops. I hope people join me i hope people will support this this uh, effort here uh if you're listening if you have listened thus far thank you okay um download the podcast share it with others um leave a review okay let others know what you think if you're watching on youtube like subscribe comment all those things will help the algorithm kind of push this video and uh, continue to pray for me. I will continue to pray for you. If you have any ideas, email me. I61exploits at gmail.com. Email will be on the in the descriptions below. Email me, okay, or inbox me. Let me know what you think. Let's talk about this. I want to, I, I, trust me, something has to be done, and I'm here. But I will see you in the next episode where I will be touching on some of the ideas that I have. Okay, so if you want to talk to me, you have to see some ideas that I have to react to that. Add on to it. Let's get together. We need to do this. We have no choice. Peace out.